get your Bibles here to Genesis 29. Uh, Genesis 29. We're going to start reading in verse number 15. I said earlier, I'm not happy with the sermon uh, uh, necessarily, but I, I mean, I'm very happy with the truth. I think there's a great truth. I think we need to invest money in a teleport machine and put it over here and get and teleport Mrs. Clark between the pianos. Uh, she's walked three miles just this morning, uh, going back and forth. <laughs> and uh, and uh, she's, uh, boy, she was ill. I took her to the ER Friday night. Uh, a number of, of real significant problems. That starting Tuesday, they just continued to get worse and worse and worse until uh, fri- finally Friday evening about four o'clock or so, I, I called her doctor and the, told her this, what was going on. The doctor said, you need to get her to the ER right now. So he went there and then her doctor met us there and they were going to keep her overnight, but they finally let her go in the middle of the night and she uh, just had a horrible infection. Uh, and uh, anyways, they got the right uh, antibiotics and stuff in her and, and uh, uh, morphine, that helps. Morphine helps everything. And, uh, and it, uh, she's doing a lot better, but she's still going to take about a week or so to get rid of the infection. Um, and no, I'm not the infection. So no, it takes about a week to get rid of me. And, uh, Genesis 29, let's all stand together here for the reading of God's word, please. Genesis chapter 29. I'll give you just a, a real quick brief background here. Uh, if it looks like I'm squinting, this eye over here has been twitching for like three days. It will not stop twitching. And so I'm walking around looking like this, and it just won't stop twitching. And I don't know why. I've tried about everything. I've, I've, I'm going to go buy Plexiderm and uh, see if that helps. And that was supposed to be a funny joke, but never mind. Uh, let's just stick to the Bible. Um, so we have here uh, 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 Jacob. And of course, you know, we talked about Abraham a little bit in Sunday school. And Abraham had Isaac, and then Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob was... Uh, going to have several children and father uh, begin fathering that nation. That's why they call him the nation of Jacob or the nation of Israel. His name was later changed. Uh, Jacob is running from his brother uh, Esau at this time, and he he goes to a uh, really it's a it's a it's a distant relative's house in uh, Laban, and uh, it was his mother's brother. And that would have made him his uncle, I guess. And anyways, he's staying there at, uh, at his place and working on the, uh, on the farm and so on. And so we're going to pick up the story here in verse number 15. And we'll read through the end of the chapter. Uh, we'll read those verses responsibly. I'll read verse 15. And then all of us together in unison aloud will read verse 16. Then I'll read verse 17. Then all of us again aloud together will read verse 18 and so on. All right, verse 15. And Laban said unto Jacob... Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? Together. And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than I should give her to another man. So abide with me. Verse 20. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed unto him as a few days for the love he had to her. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to him, and he went in unto her together. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah for a maid, for an handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, 
behold, it was Leah. And he said unto Laban, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee uh, this also for thy service, which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. And Laban uh, gave to Rachel his daughter Bilhah, uh, his handmaid, to be her maid. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. Verse 31. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Together. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son. And said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Together. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And let's end verse 35 together. And she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called the name Judah and left bearing. Let's pray together here. Heavenly Father, please use this this morning. Uh, I think it's a great, great truth. And boy, when I saw it, you opened my eyes to something. I thought it was a, a great, and it really impacted my life several years ago. And I pray that it would do the same here for others. And so we commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. My life, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter. My all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe. This gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came. Till on that cross as Jesus died The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on Him was laid Here in the death of Christ I live There in the ground His body Light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth 
inglorious day up from the grave he rose again and as he stands in victory since curse has lost its grip on me for i am his and he is mine bought with the precious blood of christ no guilt in life no fear in death this is the power of christ in me from life's first cry to final breath jesus commands my destiny no power of hell no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of christ i'll stand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of christ I'll stand. Very good. Amen. Thank you. Uh, let's pray here. Father, please use this today. I pray that you just really uh, help us to listen. Listen with our, not just our, our ears, but with our spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Jacob, his name means uh, a trickster, means con artist, if you will. On several occasions, uh, Jacob has done things to earn this title. Uh, you remember back when uh, he was, his brother Esau was out hunting, and, and Jacob was home cooking in the kitchen, and you know, his brother comes in after hunting all day and caught nothing. Uh, he then said um, uh, to his brother, he, he, said, he said to Jacob, said, boy, I'm, I'm hungry, and you've been cooking all day, and you have this bowl of red soup, like a chili. He said, give me some of that. I'm starving to death. And... Um, and uh, he said, well, I, uh, uh, he said, I'm not just going to give it to you. You know, typical brother, I'll sell it to you, though. And he said, how about I trade you for your, your birthright? And the birthright is the, the, the right to inherit, uh, inherit double of everything uh, from the father. And, and he, being so hungry in the moment, he went ahead and did uh, such a foolish thing. And he sell, sold his birthright. And Jacob walked, walked away. I mean, really tricked him out of it. And uh, boy, years passed, and he's down at the end of his life. His father's at the end of his life and calls in for Esau, his older son, to bless him. Well, he, uh, uh, Jacob comes in first ahead of time, disguises himself as his brother, and he also stole that blessing. And uh, boy, he's just a, just, a, just a weasel, just a, just a con artist, a trickster, a liar. And uh, so uh, when that happened, uh, Jacob takes off. He knows his brother's about ready to kill him. MJ, did you get the message I sent you? A minute ago, I sent you a message. Um, and he, uh, he ran uh, for his life, and that's how he ended up at his uncle's place here, Laban's place. And uh, I, think it's, I think it's funny that uh, he came down and said, well, I, I'm working for you. He said, well, what do you want me to pay you? Jacob said, I'll tell you what, I, boy, I, I, I like Rachel. I like Rachel. She's so pretty. I said, I'll, I'll work for seven years for you, and uh, I'll work here for seven years if you'll let me marry Rachel. 
And he says, okay, I'll let you marry Rachel then. And uh, seven years passed, and the wedding night came, and, and uh, his, his bride comes down the aisle, and, and when he opens up the veil, it's not Rachel, it's Leah. And he married the wrong girl. I think it's so funny. The trickster got tricked. Uh, the con artist got con. And uh, boy, they're gonna, it's going to come back to you one day. It always does. Well, then he works another seven years. And he gets, uh, so I'll work seven more years for Rachel. So now he ends up, he has Leah and Rachel. But I want you to notice something here, what it says about Leah. Numerous times, the Bible says that Jacob hated Leah. He did not like her. Uh, the, the, the first place we see it here, uh, uh, verse, number, uh, verse number 16, And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the younger was Rachel. Verse 17, Leah was tender-eyed. Now look at that next word, but Rachel was beautiful. So just look at those words there. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful. Um, it's like this. It's like somebody saying, Leah, had a, Leah has a real good spirit, but Rachel's beautiful. Now, what does that tell you about Leah? She's ugly. And, uh, that's right. Isn't that what you say about ugly people? Oh, yeah, she's a, she's a, she's a, she's a good girl. <laughs> you know, you find somebody real ugly, and what do you say? Oh, they're, 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 they're really nice. And, uh, I mean, it would be like this. It'd be like if I said, you know, uh, Miss Lily, Miss Lily's a good Christian, but Mrs. Clark is beautiful. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you that Miss Lily's ugly. And, uh, and that's why Brother Diggs, you marry what you, marry what you are, and that's why she ended up with Ugly Dickerson. And, uh, where's Miss Lily? She's not up here. Where's Miss Lily? Oh, yeah, she's in the back. Hi, where, where'd she go? She's in the nursery. Oh, good. She can't even hear what I'm saying. And uh, I'm, I'm off the hook then. And, uh, but that, that, that's what he was saying. He was saying, oh, uh, yeah, yeah Leah, Leah's a good girl. She's got a good spirit. Boy, is she ugly. <laughs> and, uh, but Rachel? Yeah, she's pretty. I want to marry Rachel. And later on, several times through we read, the Bible says that he hated Leah. He did not like Leah. He was not attracted to to Leah. Leah was nothing special in his eyes at all. He was, he was attracted to Rachel, uh, but he thought Leah was unattractive and not ugly. He worked, or was ugly. He worked those seven years, and finally he won Rachel, and now he has Rachel and he has Leah. And, uh, but now uh, the, the problem is, is that Rachel cannot have children. She's barren. And boy, this was a big deal back then. Uh, it was a big deal back then to make sure that you ended up having male children to carry on your name, to carry on your legacy, to take care of your family uh, uh, in, in hardships. And when you die, you want somebody to be able to take care of your wife and the rest of your family. Very important to have a male child. And, and so he goes to Rachel, and Rachel cannot have children. But he loves Rachel, and Rachel is beautiful to him. Leah, not so good looking. But Leah can have children. And so Leah, Leah has an idea. She said, I think maybe I can win my husband this way. Maybe he'll like, he, he wants to have male children. He wants to have some boys. And Rachel can't give that to him. But here's something I can do that she can't do. Maybe he will like me as a result of that. Joseph, I sent you a message. Go give it to MJ. And... Um, and so um, he says, she said, I, and by the way, if, if, let me just very carefully, very carefully say this. 
especially to you teenagers, but you girls in particular, uh, he might have thought Leah was ugly, uh, but that didn't keep him from sleeping with her. If you're wise, you'll think about that. Just because some guy is willing to mess around with you doesn't mean he loves you. Uh, you, you girls are so dumb. You're so naive. You know, oh, he loves me. No, he doesn't love you. He doesn't love you. If he loved you, he would help you do right. He'd keep, if he loved you, he'd keep his hands off of you. If he loved you, he would value you. If he loved you, he would cherish you. If he loved you, he would respect you. That's not love at all. And so uh, just take that for what it's worth. But you, you girls don't be so dumb and so naive. And so she says, she said, well, uh, uh, maybe through childbearing, I can win my husband's affection. And so she has the first child. We read there a moment ago. And she gets his first child and says, named him what? The Bible says, I will name him Reuben. Verse number 32. She named him Reuben. And she said this. The Lord has looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Follow me now. Listen carefully. She says, I, I, I have uh, my sister Rachel. Uh, uh, she's married to Jacob. I am married to Jacob. Jacob loves Rachel. Jacob thinks she's pretty. Jacob's heart is on her. Jacob's affection is on her. Jacob doesn't care much for me. Jacob doesn't think I'm that attractive. He and I are not very close. However, he Rachel cannot give him a son. I can give him a son. And now I have uh, uh, I'm, I'm pregnant and I'm having a child and it's a boy and I'm going to give this boy back and, and now maybe now that I have a child I'll name him Reuben because now maybe my husband will love me but it didn't happen it didn't happen he still did not care much for her he still did not like her he still rather would rather have Rachel. And can you imagine Leah? Her heart is breaking. I can't help the way I look. I can't help that he doesn't like me. I'm trying to be the best wife that I can be. I'm trying to give him what he likes. But I don't know why he doesn't like me. I gave him a boy. I just want my husband to like me. I just want my husband to adore me. I just wish my husband would look at me the way he looks at Rachel. I'm just trying to win his affection. I know what I'll do. I'll have another child with him. And so she has another child. And the Bible says, verse 33, she conceived again and bare a son. And then she said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, hath he given me this son. And she called his name Simeon. She said it once again, I'm giving him Reuben because hopefully but uh, win my husband, but that didn't do the trick. But now I have another son. And now the Lord has heard me. Thank you, Lord, for giving me another child that now I can give this child to my husband and now my husband's going to like me. I, you heard that I was hated by him and I want to be loved by him. Therefore, I'll give you Simeon. Now my husband will love me. But it didn't happen. He still had a thing for Rachel. Go on to the next verse. And therefore the Bible says that in verse 34, and she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I've given him three sons. So once again, she says, I, 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 Rachel, Rachel has Jacob's heart and Jacob loves her and she is beautiful to him and he wants Rachel. He loves Rachel. He likes Rachel. He doesn't like me. I'm hated in his eyes. I know what I'll do. I'll give him a son, Reuben. Now, now your affection will be on me. But it wasn't. I'll give you another, another son, Simeon, because you hate me. Now you'll like me. But he doesn't. I'll give you another son, Levi. And now because I've given you three sons, surely now your intention will be more on me instead of on Rachel, who can't give you any children at all. 
But guess what? It didn't happen. So we go on. Here's the sermon. Listen, verse 35. And she conceived again and bare a son. But look what she said this time. Now I'll just praise the Lord. And I'll call him Judah. She, she said, first time I'm interested in trying to get Jacob to like me. And named him Reuben. Next time, I'm trying to get my husband to like me. And, and named him Simeon. The next time, I'm trying to get my husband to like me. And named him Levi. The next time, she said, you know what? I'm just, I, I, I'm not interested in that. I'm just interested in pleasing the Lord. Amen. And I'll name him Judah. The, the Lord Jesus Christ was the lion of the tribe of Judah. Came from Judah's bloodline. Now, here's the sermon this morning. Here's the sermon. She was desperately trying to get the attention and affection of Jacob, but finally she gave up on that and said, I'm just turning my attention and getting God's attention. Because uh, she finally bare another son and told him Judah. Way too often, we have our eyes on others and we're living for their approval instead of living for God's approval. Right. And that's exactly what Leah was doing. She was so busy trying to get God, uh, Jacob's approval. Jacob liked me. Jacob loved me. Jacob, give me attention. Jacob, I want your affection. Jacob, pay attention to me. Jacob, give me your heart. Jacob, I want you. And finally she said, you know what? You may never like me. You may never love me. You think I'm ugly. That's fine. I'm more interested now in pleasing God. Amen. And she turned her attention heavenly towards the Lord. When nobody else sees you, and when nobody else knows you, and when nobody else sees your heart, and nobody else knows your heart, God knows your heart. And I think what we need to do today is we need to get, uh, get away from all of this uh, uh, trying to please each other and, and trying to uh, get each other's attention and, and trying to make each other happy and, and trying, to, uh, trying to get other people to praise us. Lay all that aside and say, if nobody else sees my heart, God sees my heart. And if nobody else knows my motives, God knows my motives. And nobody else knows what's really going on inside of me, God knows what's going inside of me. And I think that sometimes we take people that have a good heart and good intentions intentions and we mark them off and we discredit them and throw them to the side because they're not meeting up to our standards when they've already met God's standards because God knows their heart God you know God sees your tears when your heart is right and you're trying to do the right thing you might be misunderstood by other people you might have done it the wrong way but God looks past some of that and he says you know you might have messed that up and you might have did it the wrong way but I know your heart and I know your motive and that's what God pays attention to. I was freshly saved. I was 16 years old. I wasn't, hadn't been saved very long at all. And I was given a bus route. And I was, I was given a church van. And, and I was putting, oh, I don't know, anywhere between 15 and 25 kids in that church van every week. And I had these three kids, Justin, uh, no, no, Jason, and Alicia, and Jeremiah Baber. And they were holy terrors. I think the, the I don't the, I think there was the Trinity of the Antichrist. I think that's what it was. I mean, they were they were horrible. I mean, they would get on that van and they were absolute horrible kids. They were just terrible kids, terrible. And uh, they gave me problems day and night. They got kicked out of church so many times. It's not even funny. And well, one day we we're going back, dropping all the kids off, and get to their house, and their house is locked and nobody's there. And here it is, Sunday afternoon. I'm tired. I want to go home, and I dead sure don't want to babysit. Jeremiah, 
Jason and Alicia Baber all day. And, uh, and of course, we had no cell phones back then or anything. And I said, well, where are your parents at? And they said, well, they're over at our, our aunt's house or something. I said, well, where, where do they live? And they said, well, I don't know the address. I said, well, we got to find out what to do with you guys. I said, I can't just keep you all day. And I, and, and I said, do you know their phone number? I said, yeah, we know their phone number. I said, well, go in and call. And they said, our house is locked. I said, your house is locked? They said, yeah. I said, well, okay, I can break into your house. So I broke into their house for them, and, and uh, we broke into their house, and they went in, called their parents, and then came out, locked the door, and I got the address and dropped the kids off, and I was real proud of myself. I said, man, I, I saw the need and arose the occasion. I, I conquered the problem. I was, I'm a good bus captain. Boy, they're going to be so proud of me when, I, when everybody finds out I did the right thing here. Man, I, I, I took care of the problem. I pulled back into the church, and here's Leon Groff, uh, the bus director. He's standing outside the church like this. I pull in there, and as soon as I get out of the van, he goes like this. That's never a good sign. I said, what in the world did I possibly do? You know, maybe he's going to give me an award. He already heard the good news. And uh, I came back, I went to his office. He said, did you break into the Baber's house today? I said, well, the way you said it makes it sound real bad. <laughs> And I break, I break into the house. I, you know, that, that sounds bad. I, 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 was, I was helping them use the phone to call their parents. He says, you broke into their house. I said, well, look, I, I, didn't really break any, I didn't break anything. I mean, I got into their house. And, so their mom and dad are hot. They are mad. They called me. They are mad as can be because you broke into their house and they weren't there. I got thinking about it. I said, boy, that, that, that does sound kind of bad now. How you put it in that light, it's bad. Now, here's the thing. I, I had the right heart, but I might have done it the wrong way. Now, the wonderful thing about God is this. God knows your heart. That doesn't mean you always excuse all your actions. It just means that God looks at your heart and says, you idiot. But you did it. You're kind of stupid the way you did it. But boy, I'm proud of the way. I'm proud of the good heart that you have. We've all watched kids have a good heart and tried to do something right, and they really messed it up. But God looks on the heart. Uh, uh, I remember I, I hadn't been saved long, and I, uh, my dad was out of town for work. He flew down to Texas for work, and, and I was going to the 830 service. That's the service we went to, and man, been saved, but uh, maybe a month or two. And uh, that morning, I woke up. Church started at 830. I woke up at 825. I lived in North Pole. had to get to Fairbanks in five minutes, 13 miles away. I jumped up. Thankfully, I was sleeping in my clothes. I had been up watching movies all night. I jumped out of bed, tired as could be at 825. I ran out, jumped in the car, and took off. I drove over 100 miles an hour all the way to Fairbanks. I, I pulled in the parking lot, jumped out, ran inside, and they were just started the first congregational song. Man, I was so proud of myself. I got done with church was over. I said to my pastor, I said, man, I said, I got to church today on time. I said, I woke up at 825. He said, how fast are you driving? I said, I was going over 100 miles an hour all the way to church. He said, do you know that's illegal and against the law to break the speed limit? I said, why can't you be proud of the fact that I came to church? But you know what? I, I, I was wrong for breaking the speed limit, but I think the Lord looked down and said, boy, he sure wants to get to church today. I'll, I'll preoccupy the police. You know, he had them spill their coffee and drop their donut when I went by. And uh, <laughs> that's just wrong. <laughs> we had a church van stolen yesterday. 
And uh, again, yeah, again. Do we have a sign out here that says, please steal our vehicles or something? And, uh, and uh, they stole a church van so early yesterday morning. I got a phone call from some lady. She said, I, I just saw something kind of bizarre. And I, I thought I'd just call about it. But I saw one of your vans up on flat top early this morning. And I said, that's a little bizarre. And she said, and then I saw it again a little while later driving down Upper Huffman. And had some guy and girl in there. And they were acting pretty crazy. I said, yeah, that's, uh, that's Apollonia Maria. They used the van. And, uh, but uh, I said, boy, that don't sound right. And so I called the police and it reported stolen and said, uh, as a matter of fact, right then I, I had saw a cop sitting on the side of the road. I pulled over right then. I said, before I even called the police, I said, hey, somebody just said over here, there's our van. I, t- I told them where they said it was. And I said, uh, and I told them it was green and uh, gold lettering, whatever. And I said, I'm getting ready to call right. He said, well, I'll go look for it. He took off and I called the police and they said, you have a license plate number? I said, no, I'll go get it. So I came down to the church to get a license plate number. And uh, within about 15 minutes, I'm calling them back. It was a license plate number. And they said, yeah, we already got that license plate number. Matter of fact, we have the van. It's right now surrounded by 12 cop cars, and they're searching for the guy. They got it all roped off. Anyway, we got it back, and, uh, and uh, now the cool thing is you don't even need a key to start it. Um, so anyway, uh, but, uh, they, uh, you know, uh, I shouldn't have been driving that fast, but sometimes God looks on our heart. And sometimes when you and I do the, we, we, we do the wrong thing and we do it the wrong way, but we weren't trying to. We were trying to do something good. We were trying to do something right. Hey, listen, God looks on your heart. Stop looking and trying to please everybody else and say, you know what? It's not about Levi. It's not about Reuben. It's not Sidney. No, sir. It's Judah from now on. I'm just going to try to praise my Lord and let him see what my heart is really like. Secondly, though, don't look for man's applause. Look for Look for God's applause. Don't labor for man's applause. Labor for God's approval. Um, yeah, how many jobs um, that, uh, uh, that we do that goes unnoticed by man? You know, I've known many people, many people who end up leaving a church because they get upset because they do something and they didn't get recognition. Or maybe they've been serving in a certain capacity I had a Sunday school teacher one time who got upset and left. And this is what he said. I've been teaching Sunday school for four months and not one time did the preacher say anything about it. He quit his class and left church. Uh, people have, people have, I've, seen, I've seen people quit over, over things like that so many times. And, and in reality, listen, let's not be working and laboring for man's approval. Let's labor for God's approval. Let's stop looking at Jacob saying, hey, is Jacob going to love me for doing this? Is Jacob going to want me for doing this? Is Jacob going to be my friend now for doing this? Is Jacob getting my affection for doing this? Hey, we don't do it for Jacob. We do it for God. That's who we've got to do it for. And so get your eyes back up on the Lord. So many people around here do so many things and, and they don't get notice for it and and, and it's not on purpose it just kind of goes it just happens that way I wonder how many people uh, think Miss Lily and uh, and Miss Teresa and and, uh, Shana for cleaning the church every single Saturday I mean this place you know how bad y'all can mess up a church in one week Y'all can destroy this place. I mean, it looks like my kid's bedroom. I mean, you guys can just destroy it. Clothes everywhere, songbooks everywhere, dirt everywhere. And, and uh, I mean, the place is just an absolute wreck. I come in Sunday mornings. And every Sunday morning I come in and it's fresh and it's clean and it's neat and it's orderly. And every Sunday morning I say to myself, thank God. 
for Miss Lily and Miss Teresa and Miss Shana for coming in and cleaning this church every. And when we all leave and I leave this place, they're still here for another hour cleaning. Boy, they go unnoticed sometimes, but thank God for them. Thank God for them. But listen, hey, don't clean the church for the preacher. Don't clean the church for applause. Don't clean the church for recognition. We clean the church for Jesus. That's who we clean it for. And if we keep our eyes on him, it won't matter if we get Jacob's affection or not. It won't matter if Jacob notices or not. We now are doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where we got to keep our eyes. You know, Troy, I said to Troy yesterday, I said, Troy, you do so many things around here behind the scenes. Little things behind the scenes that nobody sees you do. You're picking up trash and, 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 and all, I'm always giving jobs to Troy. Uh, you know why? Because Troy's faithful. Troy's dependable. Troy is there and it's easy to grab and say, hey, Troy, you're right here. Hey, do this for me and do this for me. And Troy is being used, literally being used. And, uh, but Troy is being used by God. And he don't get a whole lot of this. But he doesn't, if he keeps his eyes, say, I'm just doing it for the Lord. It doesn't matter if somebody recognizes it or not. I'm just doing it for Jesus. I don't care if somebody saw me pick gum out of the carpet or not. I'm just doing it for Jesus. It didn't matter if somebody saw me put toilet paper in the bathroom or not. I'm just doing it for Jesus. How many times have I, you know, I got thinking, we ain't bought toilet paper forever around here. Usually, you know, somebody let me know we need toilet paper. And I said, I haven't bought toilet paper in forever. I went downstairs and looked, and there's a thing of toilet paper. I said, well, that's not the kind of toilet paper I buy. I buy that cheap stuff. And, uh, no, but uh, I don't. I, I told, told me, yesterday, buy, buy Charmin. Don't buy that, that cheap junk. And uh, uh, some things are worth spending the extra buck for, amen. And, uh, and uh, then the next week, I saw Miss Lily come in. You know what she has under her arm? Pack of toilet paper. She's never told me. She's never asked for recognition. She's never said a word to anybody. She just knows we need toilet paper. Stop, picks them up, brought some to the church. Hey, that's not doing it for Jacob. That's doing it for the Lord. It doesn't mean, listen, let's stop working. And by the way, you'll be less disappointed when you get your eyes off a man and you do it for Jesus. You'll, you'll be less, less offended. When you do it for the Lord and stop doing it for mankind. The you know, bus drivers get up here and they drive this bus week after week after week and they drive the bus and the first one's here and the last one's home and, and they got to uh, check the fluids and make sure the bus is running and, and they're there starting the cold bus and getting it warmed up for everybody and how often the bus drivers go unrecognized and they go unnoticed and we go, oh, the bus captain had a big day today. Hey, the bus captain had nobody if it weren't for the driver. So I'm just trying to say today that the, thank God bus drivers do it for Jesus and they don't do it for the Jacobs. Uh, uh, I think Mrs. Clark, you know, she, Mrs. Clark does an awful lot around here. People don't see. She works. She does a lot around here. And um, you know what she gets? Very, very little recognition. You let her mess up and she's going to get criticized. I tell you, I, I tell her off all the time. Go to Matthew chapter 6. I'm just kidding. I don't. Matthew chapter 6. Go to Matthew chapter 6. There's so many people here that, that we're busy, but don't be doing it for Jacob. If you're doing it, expecting your name to go up on a board somewhere, expecting an applause, or ex ex hey, you're going to get hurt one day, and you're going to get offended. Let's stop trying to uh, uh, rear the children and bear children to, to win Jacob. Let's just have a Judah and do it for the praise of God. And if we'll do that, we'll keep on going forever, because I don't care if you like it or not, I'm just doing it to try to please the Lord. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. He said, take heed that you do not your alms before men 
to be seen of them. Alms was like not his tithe. It wasn't the offering. It was a, a, a deed. It would be buying somebody a pair of shoes, taking somebody to lunch, uh, uh, buying groceries for somebody. Those are alms deeds. He said, uh, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have what? No reward. Verse 2, therefore, when thou doest thy alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now hold on, what is their reward? What is their reward? If we stand up and say, hey, guess what, everybody? What everybody to know today what I did. I went out today, and I saw a hungry man, and I bought him lunch. That's what I did. And everybody goes, come on, everybody, hey. I went out and bought meal for a hungry man, and everybody, okay, hold on, we're going to try this one more time, okay, we're, we're, I should have rehearsed this with you beforehand, and I went out and I, I bought a meal for a hungry man, and I wanted everybody to know about it, uh, I have my reward, that was my reward right there, the praise of man, the hollow clap. That was my reward. But look at the next verse. He said, if you, if you do that, you'll have reward. But verse 3, but when thou doest thy alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Verse 4, and thy alms may be in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. In other words, he said, you don't do it for Jacob. Do it for Jesus. That's who we do it for. Look at verse 5. And when thou prayest. Thou shalt not be the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the, and the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say to they have their reward. Oh, Heavenly Father, the great God of Isaac and Jacob and Abraham, oh, thou that partest the Red Sea, blessest thou this great and mighty service in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. That's your cue. Oh, yes, it's a great prayer. There's my reward. I have my reward. But wait a minute, verse 6. But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. Again, what's he saying? Stop doing it for Jacob and do it for Jesus. And he, listen, God knows your heart when Jacob doesn't see your heart. And God knows your labor when man does not see your labor. Number three, if nobody else cares about you and if nobody else loves you, that's okay, because God loves you. Nobody else cares. You know, the truth is, very few people truly love somebody else. The Bible tells us we all love our own flesh. Very few people truly love somebody else. And very few people know what it is like to be truly loved. Um... So those who, and those who are loved, rarely feel it and believe it. Most of us don't know how to really love somebody. And most of us are not really loved by somebody. And those of us when we really are loved by somebody, we question it and we doubt it. We say, well, they don't love me. Because the truth is, listen, most of us in this room feel like we're un lovable people. Down deep in your heart, you feel like you're an unlovable person. So what do we do? Well, we stop 
burying a Reuben and stop burying a Simeon and stop burying a Levi and for, for somebody else and decide that you're just going to bear a, a, a Judah for Jesus. So we stop worrying about who loves me. Stop worrying about that and just rest in the fact that God loves you. And you know what, Jacob, I may do for you. And I was trying to give you children and you may never love me. And you may never set your affection on me. And you may never care about me, but that's okay. Because I'm giving you another son, but not for you. This one's for Jesus. Because I know he loves me. If we can walk out of this room today and realize that one person loves you and that person is God, it'll change your life. If you really loved God and you believe that God really loved you, be an awesome Christian. We would never want to disappoint him if we would just believe it and accept it. If we just knew how much he loved us, just think about it. You're saved. Boy, isn't that good? I mean, if we know God's love, we would serve him. We would love him. We would work for him. We would be so very happy. If the whole world hates us, and by the way, there's times we've been there. Every one of them, we look around and we say, everybody hates me. I don't have any friends. Nobody likes me. I, I can't seem to have any. Boys, sit up and listen. All you guys in the front row, sit up and listen. Put your eyes up here. Boy, it seems like nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. Yes, but you know what? God cares about you and God loves you. And if we'll stop looking around asking everybody else to love us and just look up and say, God loves me and that's what matters, we'll go a long way. Not trying to be loved by anybody else. We're just seeking God's love. Last of all, don't live to please others. Live to please God. Live to please God. Leah was trying to please Jacob. Her eyes were down here trying to please Jacob, make Jacob happy, win Jacob's uh, uh, favor, uh, be, uh, get Jacob be pleased with her. He was, she was trying to get Jacob when she finally stopped all that nonsense and said, you know what, I'll bear another son, but this one's Judah. I'm just going to praise the Lord. Everything changed for Leah. Uh, she, she turned her eyes and decided she'd start pleasing God. You know, my preaching... I have one person I'm supposed to please when I preach. If I prepare my sermons, tiptoe, man, they might like that. That person may not like that. They, they may think bad about that. That might offend that person. And I'm not, I'm not doing it for the right person. I'm pleasing Jacob. I'm supposed to prepare my sermon. Somebody, somebody said this to me one time. He said, hey, preacher, my friends come to church tomorrow morning. Now, preacher, don't preach one of those mean sermons tomorrow. Maybe you could preach a little nicer one. And I looked down at my notes and thought, Yikes. Your friend ain't ever coming back. It's one of them sermons. Say, what'd you do, preacher? Did you change it? Well, I first time I asked him how much he made and if he's gonna tithe. And uh, no, I didn't change it. What did I say? God knew your friend was coming and God knew what I was preaching. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. And uh, you know, what else are you going to do? Uh, I'm sorry, but that's the way it's going to be because I'm not to please your friend. I'm to please God. And I'm not to preach to please you. I'm to preach to please God. And if my sermon is what God wants me to preach, it don't matter if a hair lips every dog in town. It don't matter. And I'm supposed to preach what God told me to preach. And that's between me and God. And so I'm saying, let's get busy pleasing the Lord. What I do with my life, better please God with it. I better please God with my life. You young people, uh, uh, don't follow everybody else's plans and dreams for you. 
Well, my parents want me to do this. Well, my mom and dad want me to do this. Well, my mom and dad, before you do any of that, you better stop and say, God, what do you want me to do? Because I'm not going to try to please Jacob. I want to please Jesus. What do you have for my life, God? What direction do you want me to go? I meet people all the time. They say, how did you get called to preach? How are you, what made you decide to go in the ministry? I didn't decide to go in the ministry. God decided for me to go in the ministry. I simply submitted to it and says, yes, Lord. Yeah, I'll say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say, yes, Lord, yes, and I'll trust you and obey. And when your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be, yes, Lord, yes. Hey, young people, stop trying to please your parents. That's the first time you ever thought you'd hear that, huh? And uh, stop trying to please your parents. You please God. And I promise you, if you'll please God, your parents will be proud of you. You just get busy pleasing God. And you, you're old enough now. You teenagers are getting old enough now where you guys start making those decisions. What am I going to do here? I have decisions to make. Uh, and mom and dad aren't there to tell you what to do. And mom and dad can't be there and breathing down your neck every class period and follow you around town all the time. You're growing up a little bit. You have responsibilities now. And you got to stand and say, I'm not here to please a Jacob. I'm here to please Jesus. Lord, what would thou have me to do? And you obey him. You know, you uh, don't do your Christian life for your preacher. Don't live your Christian life for your preacher. Live your Christian life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't sit there and say, well, I, I got to do this because that's what preacher wants. Preacher wants me to do this and preacher wants me to do that. This is what preacher, hey, one of these preachers going to be dead. Don't get your hopes up. Not coming anytime soon. And uh, although I did, well, anyway, um, no, you live your life for the Lord. That's who we have to please. Stop pleasing Jacob. Turn your eyes, Leah. It won't matter how ugly you are then. <laughs> Just please Jesus Christ because he loves you. No matter you're the ugliest chicken in town. He loves you. And uh, it is time. It is time for us to get our eyes off of Jacob, get our eyes off people, get our eyes off the world. And look up and say, I'm not going to bear any more children for the world. I'm going to look up and have another child for the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll do it for him. Um, I saw a man yesterday. I saw a man yesterday. I was driving down the highway, and next to me pulls up this beautiful black BMW coupe. It was, it was beautiful, you know. And I'm not a big car, car guy, you know, but I look at it, I was like, whoa, that's a nice-looking car. Looked inside, and there's a guy about 50 years old. Well, you know how many turn 50 years old, right? You got your midlife crisis. And uh, he pulled up in his nice coupe driving by me. And, you know, I thought, there was a day when I was like, oh, one of these days I'm going to, I've never driven a Corvette. I just think they look cool. And I know, how, what are you going to do with a Corvette in, in Alaska, you know? But I was like, one of these days I'm going to get me a Corvette. Or I'm going to get me one of those real nice Cadillacs or Mercedes. One day I'm going to get me a nice car. You know, I, I, I think that when people have their midlife crisis, what happens with men, they have a midlife crisis and they, they start realizing their age and they're starting to see the, the hair go away and the bulges come out and they're starting to think, man, I'm old and I'm not attractive anymore and what have I done in my life? And so immediately they start pleasing Jacob. Say, so, well, if I can get a nice car and if I can change my look and start dressing a little more hip and maybe get me a young girl, then I can, and makes them feel maybe more successful, make them feel a little younger. And that's their midlife crisis. You know, I think my midlife crisis 
As I get older, I just realize I just want to please God. I'm getting closer to death. And what did I do today for the Lord? Did I please him today? Did I do anything for God today? So you're driving a nice BMW. In 10 years, it's going to be a rust bucket. And then you'll be driving the same thing I'm driving. So what's the big deal? I mean, to realize more and more, these things really don't matter. What matters is what have I done for Jesus Christ? Am I living my life for the Lord? I want my life to count for Jesus. I asked Caitlin if she would have sing that song. Would you listen to it here? This is a great song. Caitlin, would you sing that? I think Ms. Clark's going to play here if she's going to be here. Think about these words. I want my life to count for Jesus. Not for the world's approval. Not for man's approval. But for God's approval. Please listen here to these words as she sings.
want my life to count for something. Let's count for Jesus. I think today, if, if Aurora Baptist Church would take our eyes off of each other, trying to please man, trying to get applause, trying to get other people to notice, let's, let's stop trying to win Jacob. Let's just try to win Jesus Christ. And that will make the difference. Let's bow our heads, please, this morning. Our heads